Welcome to the Innovate Podcast. I'm David Castro, an Ashoka Fellow and CEO of the Institute for Leadership, Education, Advancement, and Development. Innovate features dialogue with social entrepreneurs, visionaries, and leading scholars engaged in transformative thinking, action, and creative collaboration. Innovate is produced in partnership with Ashoka, Innovators for the Public, the Kellogg Fellows Leadership Alliance, and the Philadelphia Social Innovations Journal. The program is underwritten by Arch Street Press, publisher for the creative, collaborative community. Find out more on the web at archstreetpress.org. Today, our guest is Kajal Nisha Patel, CEO and co-founder of Lightseekers, a social enterprise in the United Kingdom that uses photography, writing, and storytelling to connect children across cultures and also as a tool for community engagement. Kajal is an award-winning photographer. She has exhibited widely in the United Kingdom and also internationally, including at the Whitechapel Gallery in London, the National Museum in Singapore, and at the Chiang Mai Documentary Arts Festival in Thailand. Her work was also recently featured at the 2013 TEDx Ashoka U Exchange in San Diego. Among her many achievements, in 2013, Kajal was selected as a Magenta Flash Forward winner. She was also an international finalist for the Asian Women Photographers Showcase. Her work has been published by the BBC, World News Asia, The Guardian, The Economist, and The Daily Telegraph. Kajal, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. It's nice to be here. Let's begin at the beginning. I would love if you could tell the story of your early life, your family, and how you first became interested in photography. Um, well, I'm the um, daughter of migrant parents who came to England in, well, my dad came in 1969 from East Africa and that basically meant that you know growing up as a child of a migrant you know there weren't as many opportunities as say some of the you know people um, that I knew so I think that presented itself with a lot of um, obstacles and that's really I think how I got into photography through you know seeing the world through different pair of eyes you know yeah yeah so did you uh, let's talk about something as simple as your first camera. What what was that? What was your experience like? Did you get one from your family, or did you start with a cell phone, or how how did you? What was your first instrument to take pictures? I've always been. Um, I think I've always had an eye for uh, photography. Um, my first muse, you could say, was probably my sister when I was very young. Um, for for lack of, um, I guess, the opportunity to go out and see things you know we, I didn't travel very much when I was younger because we just we just didn't because there wasn't enough um, income to to be able to do that so I guess you know my sister was somebody that I photographed all the time and and that was a good start but it wasn't really until later on until I was actually 24 um, that I started to observe my family in in India and it, it was just a really nice experience to see my parents in that environment because in England, we don't spend a lot of time together. They're working all the time. So when we go to India, that's a very, very rare occasion where not only are we on holiday, but also they are in, a, in an environment where they are so familiar. And um, you can imagine they're very nostalgic about their childhood, having left so many years ago. So spending time with them in that environment is really, really quality time. So observing them, photographing them, 
um, that's really where it started back in 2000, um, 2005, that was it, 2005-06. So interesting. I wonder if you could talk about something that I, I have a theory about this and I'd like you to respond to this, but I think that, you know, so, so many people take pictures today. You know, I mean, everybody's got a cell phone. Everybody's everybody's taking pictures. They they put them up on Facebook. They share them online. But for a lot of people, the process of taking pictures is really about just sort of documenting their personal history and and keeping track of places and people that they've seen. It's like uh, the you know the quote unquote the scrapbook you know that you have and you remember and you look back for purposes of reminiscing. But with photographers, there's there's a, a moment. I believe, in which something changes and they begin to see that process of taking pictures as a form of art, you know, and I wonder if you could comment on that. Was there a moment in your in your life where you said, wow, you know what, this is this is art. This is not just me taking a snapshot that I'll look at, but this is something that other people might want to look at because it's expressing something that's that's deeper, that's more universal, that's more interesting somehow. How, how do you how do you experience that? Yeah, I mean, I, I remember the moment very, very clearly because for me that was that was the transition between me being a normal person taking photographs to me thinking um, like an artist, I guess. Um, and and that particular photograph was one that I took on that trip. It was just with a compact, most the most basic two megapixel camera, I think it was at the time, and. I was using um, an internet forum at the time, um, and it was a very, it was an interactive forum where there was a lot of amateur photographers sharing their photographs, and the idea behind the website was to learn about the world through photography. So I was uploading these photographs on a daily basis, um, and we were ex exchanging comments, you know, technical feedback, and you know, more philosophical information as well, you know, why we took the picture, this kind of thing. Um, that particular picture um, was of uh, my a relative of mine and his daughter. They were watching television, and it, it, I remember at the time I took that picture because it had been quite a number of years before between my last trip to India and, and this particular trip and my previous trips you know I remember sort of staying outside uh, being outside playing with the animals and really just enjoying time with the family that kind of thing but this particular trip after maybe eight years I think it was I realized that India had really really changed and people were spending time watching television which was quite new to me because in my previous trips we didn't have televisions in the house you know and that was a real kind of um reality check in terms of how India was progressing and how my family was changing and how the dynamics of family relationships were changing. So I'd posted this photograph on this internet forum and, you know, I'd written some comments about my feelings and there was just a flood of comments from people saying, you know, relating to how I was feeling. And that's when I realized that this was a really powerful thing for me to be able to share my, my, my feelings. That's fascinating. It's a great story because it illustrates, I think, so well that transition, you know, where you're now doing something that's more universal. And and I think it's another interesting differentiation, obviously, between, you know, the art of a photographer and and somebody that's, you know, quote unquote, just taking pictures, which is to see the world in a different way, to, to actually see something. And it obviously comes through in your pictures 
I think you, you, I've noticed in looking at some of your pictures that they're very people centered, which is which is great. You don't see many landscapes. You see more pictures of, of human beings. And I wonder if you could talk a little bit about that, about um, the effort to capture people as they really are, you know, not in a staged way. Um, which obviously comes through in your photographs and, and, and then also, you know, your, how you try to convey meaning in that process, you know, is it something that is very conscious? Uh, that's a question that I have when you go out, do you say, well, I'm feeling a certain way and I want to capture a photograph that captures that feeling that I have, or, or how does that happen for you? It's, it's completely I mean in the beginning it's very subconscious you're really shooting without really there's a creative process that I think just takes a hold of your body and you don't you're almost um, not in control of what's happening I think sometimes it's just good to let go um, in terms of what I'm shooting I guess I am thinking a little bit more consciously now about the kind of things that I'm trying to um portray and the kind of stories that I'm trying to tell um, I guess in the beginning it was very people-centered and it was because I was shooting my local community and I was so close to it more recently I have been doing landscapes though and that was a conscious effort really to step back and step outside of myself almost um, to look at the environment and to see the cultural landscape so there's two different perspectives that I'm really trying to take now I'm trying to be more informed um, uh, uh, as a person, I guess, it's not even just about being an artist. It's about, you know, looking at the environment and see, uh, I guess, you know, like I said, I was looking at things from a very micro perspective before, whereas now I'm trying to think of things, how my work fits in to a global context. You know, my more recent project is about uh, trade relations and British colonial histories. And, and, and that's really looking into why my parents came to England in the first place and looking at the industrial landscape of Britain. And, and that, I think, you know, really um, contextualizes my wider you know thinking behind what I'm trying to say there's obviously the micro perspective of the people and the stories and the individual struggles and the battles of settling in you know of place and tradition all these kinds of things whereas you know you've got the global context as well you have to step back and look at how these things fit in as a whole right right no that definitely comes through in your work I uh so I have a question for you before we dive in, because I do want to talk about your organization and the projects that you have. But before we get there, I have one other developmental question, which is just about an interesting thing. I think a very intriguing thing about you is that you're, you know, really edu self-educated as a photographer and, and seemingly proud of it. And so I wonder if you could talk a little bit about about that process and how did you go about, um, you know, learning photography and photojournalism and, and how was that for you? Because I know some people do sort of study it. And my question really to sharpen it a little bit is to say, you know, is there, is there a way in which you think you've gained by teaching yourself? Uh, is there a way in which perhaps you have a unique approach because you haven't sort of done it in the standard or, um, culturally defined path yeah it's a really hard question to answer and, and I, I almost ask, ask myself that question every day you know there, there was a point just recently where I'm really really considering doing a master's because I feel like I need to sharpen my thinking and be able to um, critically analyze work 
you know, not just my own, but other people. So I do wonder whether um, I would have been better off um, having studied it. I think it would have definitely changed the way I think in some way. But at the same time, there's a certain freedom that comes from teaching yourself because you have no preconceptions about how things should be done. Um, I, I guess I, I, I'm not really able to answer that because I haven't been through the the institutional process of learning but I am quite glad that I've been through you know it, it does make me quite proud that I've been able to get here you know on my own and um, I think I've been able to explore avenues that I probably wouldn't have done if I would not gone through an institu institutional process right and and I and I do think that you know when you sometimes it does take some of your creativity away because you're always looking at people explaining to you, you know, well, how you should do it as opposed to just how you would find it yourself. And obviously the way that you find it yourself is sometimes gives you a unique flavor to your work. So that's... Right. And, and I think also, you know, when I think back to the work that I'm doing with light seekers, it's a very democratic um, thing that I'm trying to teach. And I guess, you know, there is something quite organic about that as well. I mean, it's a non, you know, what I'm trying to do is bring art to young people who haven't got, have, haven't been exposed to the arts. And there's something, you know, um, quite natural about true art. So I think going through the institutional process is almost a contradiction. So, so sometimes I think it's a bit of a contradiction in, in what I'm trying to promote. So um, there's two ways of, you know, thinking about that, I guess. So you mentioned light seekers. So let's let's talk about light seekers because that's obviously a centerpiece of, of what we want to get to. And could you tell me? Um, I'm always interested in uh, in this moment because we sort of have two moments. There's a moment in which you're just taking pictures becomes art. You become a photographer, and and this is going to be an artistic expression. And then there's a second moment in which you say, "Oh, Mike, I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to create an organization. I want to have a project. You know, so it's not going to just be about a, be about me as an individual, but I want to have an impact on the world. So tell us a little bit about that that process for you. When did you decide that you wanted to really lead an initiative in photography, and how did it become Light Seekers? Uh, well, it was back in 2007 and I'd finished an internship in India and I was really clueless about the world of photography, the world of education um, and what I was going to do. I mean, I was working in an office before I actually went and did the internship. So when I got back to England, I started to explore um, ways of getting out there into the community and working with young people. Um, and I think a lot of artists do work in education to supplement their income because they can't make a living out of creating artwork. And, and you know, I always felt that that was a, a really kind of almost a dishonest thing to do. And, you know, I've always kind of tried to uphold the, you know, integrity in everything that I do. And it didn't seem right to just be doing one-off projects. So for me, it was always about doing... Um, really deep and meaningful projects with whoever I worked with. So I guess I just went and found out, you know, um, about funding that was available uh, locally. And in that sense, it, I was very lucky that I wasn't based in London because I got some incredible support from uh, the local the local council and they basically gave me some money and I also applied to, to a national funding body and you know I basically just went around found the premises and it, it was all serendipitous you know I went to the closest organization at the youth center 
and they happened to have a dark room. I, I had no idea, which was completely, the dark room was disused. It hadn't been used for eight years. And they said, these are all the facilities, go for it, take it over. So there I was uh, with practically no educational experience, um, no professional phot photographic working experience. And I'd been giving all, given all this money and they said, yeah, just do it. So, you know, I did the marketing, I did everything that I needed to do. Um, and there we were, we, Lightseekers um, was born. Very cool. Very great story. Um, so tell me about the name Lightseekers. Did you name it? And what does that name mean to you? Um, it, it's all, it, everything is about truth. And um, if we deconstruct the word photography, it's actually a Latin word for um, photo means uh, writing. Uh, no, it's the other way around. So photo means light and graphy means writing. So it means writing with light. So it's all pointing towards the truth and, you know, reaching for higher things. And, you know, there's a lot of um, it's quite philosophical, I guess, you know, working sure. with underprivileged communities and people who, I guess, don't really have access to um, those kinds of things. So that's basically what it's about. It's people that are searching for truth and light and meaning. Great, great name, great concept. So how do you put that? philosophical idea in a practice in, in work. And I know you have two, two things that are really profiled on your website, one about uh, connecting cultures and another about trading places. But I'd just like to ask you to really outline for our listeners the whole scope of what you're attempting to do, perhaps, you know, using these as, as examples. Yeah. Um, sorry, could you repeat the question, please? Yeah, just what is, tell us about the actual work of Lightseekers and how it puts your mission and your vision into reality. Um, I mean, again, being the child of a migra migrant, I'm always looking at the world from two completely different perspectives and two different perspectives that completely contradict each other a lot of the time. Um, if you look at India in its physical makeup and its spirituality, everything, you know, it, it seems chaotic, you know, and then if you look at the environment and um, the culture of of Britain, it's about order, it's about, you know, it's very geometrical, it's, you know, it's two completely different ways of thinking. Um, so I guess I'm always trying to make sense of that. Um, so I'm there somewhere in the middle, trying to bring these two worlds together. Um, and also trying to uh, uh, trying to share some of what I know with the people that I meet along the way. So it makes sense for me to be working with these young people in India. And, you know, I'm very fortunate to have found this fantastic school in India um, who really are living and breathing the most natural way of life. They come from a nomadic tribal community of, of farmers and um, they they. Uh, my, my traditionally uh, Patel, my surname, we come from um, a caste of farmers. So I know I know nothing about farming because obviously I was born in the city, and that's basically what happened to a lot of. I mean, India is the biggest industry in India is agriculture, um, but we are as migrants we are so disconnected from that natural way of life because of that migration. So to be working with this school in India who are so um, who have this such a deep knowledge of this agriculture, it, it's it's a fantastic opportunity for me. And then 
you've got the school in Leicester who some of the children are actually new migrants and some of them were born in India. But again, as you know, very, very quickly, they're becoming very, very disconnected from their cultural heritage. So the idea really is to bring together these two schools so that they can exchange ideas and um, uh, they can they can learn from each other. And how does photography play a role in that in that work? What what exactly do you have? Do you have them take pictures of their own surroundings and or do you take pictures and then talk about it with them? How does it work? Well, at the moment, we've run a very successful pilot project. Um, it's been a very manual process because the school in India, the biggest challenge is that there is little to no electricity most of the time. Um, so the I, I mean, we, we they don't they have I think three computers between 500 students, you know. So it's an almost impossible task of. Um, rolling anything out that's actually going to work and I have to be there on the ground to make sure that things get done. Um, so at the moment, it's been a pilot project to see the best ways that, to be able to work in the future. But I mean, at, at the moment, one of the reasons I'm, I'm here in, in the USA is um, I'm, I'm, I went to the MIT lab yesterday and I'm trying to meet um, engineers and um, games developers. So what I'm trying to do is develop some sort of um, platform, some um, virtual platform that children can take photographs and I, I would like to develop a game where they can use photographs to enhance their photographic skills first of all but also their language skills too. Interesting. Because one of the issues in, in, in the, with the children in, in Britain is they're losing their ability to speak the Indian language where and of course the children in India um, they're actually behind in the education system because they're from tribal communities who traditionally uh, are not going to school so they've been put in this residential school and some of them have actually gone got into the schooling system quite late so their level of education um, and English is, is very is quite low so I'm hoping that this kind of game will help them to enhance their language skills. Right so one of your one of your core ideas is to take these recent immigrants and reconnect them with their uh, culture uh, from their motherland or their homeland. And um, and then is there also an effort to try in that uh, village in India to introduce them to a foreign culture, in essence, in Britain? How does that work? Is there some exchange in the other direction as well? Absolutely. Yeah, the whole exchange is completely um, two way. And now it's looking at the physical um, ways in which we can do that. Um, I, I'm guessing, you know, I mean, there's a, there was a really fantastic project called The Hole in the Wall, which you may or may not be aware of. Um, and they've basically just put in computers into public environments and the children can just put in information and use the computers like that. So it's, it's certainly a two-way exchange where, I mean, I guess this is where the development part of the uh, project at the moment, seeing what kind of information the children are going to be likely to be sharing. Um, so yeah, it's certainly uh, whatever they feel wants to be shared. And in this in this village in India that doesn't really have electricity, is it f safe to assume also that they don't have, do they have cell phones? Do they have cameras? Do they have access to photo, you know, photography technology or, or are they also without that? 
Well, I mean, as a goodwill gesture, last time I was there, which was uh, February last year, I, I left behind six cameras. But uh, I mean, one of the, you know, horrible truths about India is it's it's horribly corrupt, you know, from from government down to the individual a lot of the time. And, you know, it was a goodwill gesture to leave the cameras. But in all honesty, I don't really know how much they are being used. Um, so this is why leaving cameras behind is not really the best thing. It has to be some sort of interface which is is locked and isn't. It can only be used by the children for the purposes of the project. So that's one of the um, things that I'm going to have to consider when I when I develop this this you know um, product. And the game that you're working on is that targeted also at the Indian village, or is that more targeted toward toward the youth in Leicester? Both. 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 Okay. Yeah, I feel that, I mean, the technology, the the software that's going to be designed, it, it should, um, I mean, it, potentially it's universal. It shouldn't be restricted. It, it, it's just a very um, generic piece of um, software. I, I th- I'm thinking at this stage that could be used by both schools to just upload photographs and then to write a description. I mean, I've looked into existing softwares um, and games that are available right now. It's a very simple game where you would, let's say, for instance, take a photograph of a tree and then you would write in there a four-letter word tree. And then on the other side, it's a bit like um, there's a a noughts and crosses board, uh, you know, like a grid formation. On the other side, they would have to guess what that picture was by tapping the screen and, you know, th- and the picture is uncovered gradually. Through, I see, I you see. You see what I mean? Okay. So, I mean, this is a very, very basic research that I've done at the moment. There are platforms out there, but it, it's, you know, obviously now we're, we're working with two languages. So, um, I mean, I'm in the best place in the world to be researching into this. You know, I met some fantastic software engineers yesterday and they're all, a lot of them are from India. So it would be really great to talk to them about, you know, uh, some potential ideas that could develop. Fantastic. Now, tell us about the other project, which I believe is called Trading Places, which is that, if I understand that right, that's more focused on Leicester itself. Is that, is that right? It is, yeah. Um, well, so basically, Trading Places, again, as I said, I was working, looking at the industrial landscape of Leicester. Now, Leicester was um, the hub of um, industry back in, after the 1900s, you know, the Industrial Revolution took place and Britain at the time was not anything like it was it is now. So it was really built on the back of migrant blood and labor, not just through the labor, but also through the trade that was being done um, around the time that, you know, Gandhi was doing his work. They, the, the raw cotton was being produced in India and it was being shipped to Britain and then it was sold back to India uh, with a tax, and you know, and the product and the pro- textiles were being produced by Indian laborers too, and this was all happening. I mean, my mum worked in these factories, and at the time, you know, I used to go there after school um, to the factory, and it was awful places to, for children to hang out. Very, you know, very dull. But ironically, now I'm spending all my try- time trying to get back into these factories. Um, <laughs> so they're all crumbling around me. And if you look at the industrial landscape of Leicester, you know, it's a really sad story because, you know, yeah. imagine in its heyday, um, the canals and there was just so much um, 
wealth, I guess, that was, you know, being generated. And now all these buildings are being set on fire because, you know, the uh, it's very expensive to renovate them. So the owners are setting them on fire for insurance purposes, that kind of thing. So I'm really looking again at, you know, how the city is being regenerated and what what is actually happening. I mean, the trade, you know, I mean, I'm looking into this more and more at the moment, but the trade they say is coming back because it's becoming harder and more expensive um, to do the quality checking. And of course, all the recent um, stories with the building collapses in, in Bangladesh. So, you know, there is there's interesting things going on but it's more of a cottage industry that's actually growing at the moment I think people want to buy local people want to be a little bit more ethical in their buying as well so I think there's there's something happening there's something emerging at the moment so tell so talk with me a little bit about um the unique elements of photography as a medium for this kind of community engagement you know presumably people do engage in this kind of policy work and social organizing a lot but they might not be using photography what is it that photography brings to that process and and could you talk a little bit about that from your personal experience and also in terms of your aspiration for light seekers well photography is the most democratic medium uh, of sharing in the world isn't it i mean we all anyone with a smartphone can do it and share it in seconds so there's a real freedom that comes with that but i think the most important uh, most important thing is the fact that it transcends lang- language barriers and that in itself is 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 just huge so um i think i've answered your question there do you right think? yes yes so i mean i guess one thing that i would want to explore too is that um photography has a way of sometimes just you know the the old adage of a picture is worth a thousand words that a great image can can capture uh people's attention and and so much uh communicate so much um in a moment in a flash do you see that uh is the case and i wonder how you've experienced that in your own life yeah i mean for, for myself certainly even now when i take a picture i'm using instagram more and more now and um, in fact as part of this festival um, there was a talk by the New York Times and um, National Geographic and you know even professional photographers are using Instagram more and more because it's a very instant way of you know sharing um, your, your sharing what's going on as a photographer you can get quite absorbed in taking photographs that relate to work and you can be you know it's it, it can become a real headache filing and all the rest of it so instagram is great in that sense because it's it provides the freedom again to just be taking photographs just for fun um what was the second part of your question sorry well so this goes to more your aspiration for the work of light seekers and i wonder so do you see your work connected with some kind of social transformation? Do you see that there are there is there a, um, a higher mission? You talked about, for example, truth telling um, and people really conveying the reality, I guess, of what's happening in their community. What what's the change? I mean, to use a Gandhi expression, what's the change that you want to see take place in the world through your work in Light Seekers? Well, exactly. I think um, making making it more accessible, promoting citizen journalism, 
um, with the young people in India, particularly, they don't have mobile phones at the moment. Um, but may you know it, things are developing so quickly. Um, the cheapest handset that's available, a smartphone, very basic handset, is worth is about fifty dollars, and that is only going to increase people's access to these kinds of technologies in the future. But um, it's also looking at how people are using these kinds of technologies as well. There's a fantastic organization called Video Volunteers, and it's basically about how people are sharing um, the injustices that are happening in their local communities. And um, if you think about some of these villages that are completely disconnected um, from you know, the wider world, um, they've got their own sort of councils and it's very, very difficult to report those injustices when the local um, council and the policing system, everything is so corrupt. So there's a fantastic organisation called Video Volunteers that that normal citizens become um, journalists in their own community and they share these um, stories that are going on. So I'm really trying to promote some way, in this is looking into the future now, um, I'm trying to set up a platform whereby these young people, at the moment, they, are, they might only be learning the very basics of um, how to use internet technology, photography, that kind of thing. But I'm hoping to be working with a core group of young people who are going to take the lead in in setting, in setting organising some sort of network where they can be um, sharing this kind of information in, in their own local community. Because the school in India basically is, is set up, is, is uh, located quite far away and they're part of what you know the untouchable caste um, and the wider community doesn't there's a lot of injustice that happens between these two communities and they're very segregated so what I would really like to do for them to be documenting their own histories and their own stories and at some point be sharing those stories either through newsletters at the moment because it, you know it's going to be an easier way to to share what's going on but also um when the technology improves and when these prototypes have been built and developed, then be sharing these stories um, through the Internet. So and now as a photographer, you're someone that thinks, I'm sure, a lot about technology and the kinds of changes that you see taking place on the Internet through, say, you know, um, Instagram and uh, other photo sharing medium um, and I guess so my question for you is what do you think the trends are and what what excites you and what worries you as you think about what's happening in the world with uh, people's ability to share pictures is there anything that worries you and is there anything that you really look forward to I think it's all really exciting um, every problem is an opportunity right so I, I'm really excited when there is a gap uh, in the market, I guess the, the the worrying thing is there is so much great content being generated all the time. Um, uh, but it's a case of being able to harness the good work that's emerging. And again, the the uh, conference that I went to the other day, uh, you, you know, even people like the New York Times, they you know, the editors, they're, they're looking on Instagram. They said she actually said we I pay more attention to what's in my Instagram feed than what lands on my desk, which is a really interesting way that um, the industry is even looking at 
finding emerging uh, work I mean you know obviously you've got your kind of networks that you can see who's following who and that kind of thing so I guess it's streamlining the the good content um, and it's finding ways um, to 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 do that depending on which community you're working with you know for me I mean in the short time that I've spent in the Indian school I, I found one girl um, ironically her name is Nisha and, and she's incredibly talented you know I've, I've spent very little time with her but already I can see just by watching her that she's putting so much thought into her photographs so it, it's you know and, and she's a leader as well in you know when I need a bit of help with the administration she's there with her pen and paper keeping all the notes and that kind of thing so it's inspiring leadership it's not just um me leading things but it's finding other people that are able to do things creatively but also from um, a leadership level too so it's one of the things i hear you saying which i totally agree with is that you know at a, at a certain level photography is a way of communicating and so whenever people are sharing um you know words or images they're they're exchanging meaning and that that's a powerful um tool for 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 change one thing that I I have questions about, and I, I'd like to get you to respond to this. So just the sheer volume of stuff that is produced. There are something like just billions and billions of images now that are produced almost on a daily basis. Um, someone was giving me statistics from Twitter the other day. And you wonder, one of the things that I wonder about is, are we becoming a society in which we produce all this content and actually it's out there, but no one's actually looking at it because it's just impossible to look at it all. And so what's the function of curating? Does that function of curating, of, of having people who really select images for us to focus our attention on, is that becoming a very important function? Um, because otherwise you've got, I think Bruce Springsteen said it very well at one point. He said, you know, 57 channels and nothing on. So, and, and, and I don't know if you've ever found yourself in this position, but, you know, you go to your television set and there's all these things to watch, but none of them look particularly interesting. So how do you surface the great content from that sea of stuff that is produced on a daily basis? Um, well, I'm, I'm not a curator, but I guess the curator's job is to curate the good content and without the good content and without it's, it's always evolving, isn't it? And this is just another um, another innovation, I guess, Instagram and um, Internet photography, you could call it maybe it, it's another part of the evolution of photography. And, you know, it, it's with every evolution there's always skepticism um but this is part of the part of um the natural cycle i guess and it is quite exciting uh, again um the new york times have run pieces that are purely instagram because there's a certain intimacy that comes from mobile phone uh, photography as well and i've found that personally through using um my mobile phone for photography so um it's a different way of looking and seeing and curating, but it's it's. I think it's just as valid. I think there's a lot of people that would disagree, but for me, it's just as valid because I'm feeling that I'm. I, I feel that I'm growing as a photographer, being able to um, create content in that way. Um, so I, I definitely encourage it. And of course, again, making it more dem democratic with the communities that I work with. Um, there's just no point giving them all big digital SLRs to go and 
shoot photography because it's too complicated. Um, you know, where where do you start teaching them about the technical? And, and I, I just think, no, I don't want to concentrate and focus too much on the technical aspects of photography. It's more about um, soul searching and looking at um, what's around you. And I think the best way to do that is is by using the most simple um, technologies. I mean, the pinhole camera, for instance, you know, that's one of the most wonderful ways to photograph. Interesting. Interesting. So I want to ask you a question about uh, that goes to the problem of talking about pictures, if you can put it that way. And uh, there's a an entertainer, his name is Martin Mull, and uh, he once said, this is, a, I think, a famous quote of his. He said, talking about music is like dancing about architecture. And <laughs> I think many people have taken that to mean that, you know, there's a certain that that a medium has a certain uh, elemental ability to communicate. And sometimes, you know, trying to take it out of that medium destroys the process. And um, so I wonder how do you feel about that? Uh, because I part of me sort of thinks like, hey, dancing about architecture sounds like kind of fun. You know, it's like that's how we make make sense of things, you know. But how do you feel about uh, talking about photography? Is there a point at which it becomes no, you just got to you just got to see it. You just got to feel it. Or is there something powerful to be gained in having a conversation about what a photograph means? I think both are um both are important definitely there is I mean the conversation shouldn't take away from your enjoyment of the work um, and, and you know there's debate around you know how much text should accompany uh, photographs and I think that that's important you know in the past I have had exhibitions where it's been very text heavy whereas now I'm, I'm really trying to stay away from the text and um, but, but I mean the discussion is as an as an artist I guess the discussion is important because having that feedback from people and that discussion it, it, it feeds into your practice um, and being able to deconstruct work is quite important as well um, but it shouldn't take away from the experience of, um, of of enjoying the work that's that's the most important thing right I guess and I guess a great a great picture sort of like a great line of poetry it has uh, an inexhaustible meaning you know you can go back and back to it and still be finding things um we're coming to the end of our time together and as i explained to you in the lead up a lot of people who listen to our podcast are studying social entrepreneurship and i wanted to ask you you know before we part to share perhaps some learning and wisdom i know that you're still early in your journey but what have been some of the biggest challenges that you've faced and and how have you overcome those challenges and what have you learned from that that you could share with listeners? Uh, the biggest problem I think for any artist is probably um, funding um, but for me again it's it's been great going down the education route um, the, the lack of maybe funding sometimes or money means that I've had to find innovative ways to um, keep on doing what I'm doing. Um, I, I'm really trying to go against the grain, I guess. A lot of photographers, you know, get into editorial work and it's a very cutthroat um, environment, I think. You know, I, I lived in, I've just moved away from London. So I was in London for two years and uh, I, I wasn't able to continue a lot of the education work because that was all centred around Leicester with local funding. With London, it was really cutthroat you know trying to um compete for the 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 little money that was out there um because there's just so much talent in london i guess um 
so now I'm back in Leicester, I feel like I'm more focused again uh, on the work that I was meant to do. I've been back in Leicester now for two months and already, you know, there's just so many fantastic opportunities that are emerging that, um, I mean, I did feel before I, when I, when I moved to London, I did feel that I'd reached a bit of a plateau in Leicester, but you know, now that I'm, I've been in London and sort of I'm in Boston at the moment, I'm kind of seeing the wider potential of what I'm doing with, with, you know, different countries. So, you know, I do want to uh, explore that a little bit more using local funding, European funding, that kind of thing. And, you know, having secured local um, European funding before, I can see how universal this project could actually be. So I, I guess that's the way I'm kind of overcoming challenging uh, challenges by streamlining what I'm doing um, and making it simple. But also, I think um, that simplicity is going to make it more accessible. That's great. That's great. Now, if our listeners want to support your work, the best way to find you would be you have a website, which is www.lightseekers.co.uk, right? Correct. Correct. And we'll put up a link to that. And tell me where else should uh, listeners look to find you on the web? Are you on Facebook? Where where would be the best place to find you? Uh, yes, I use the internet. Um, sorry, all sorts of different platforms. I'm on Twitter. Um, my handle is at K-A-J-A-L-N-P. Uh, Lightseekers is also on there as well on Twitter. Um, just Google Kajal Nisha Patel and I'm, I'm all over it. Great. That's great. Well, we'll put up those links and uh, hopefully we'll come back and have you back uh, on the program in the future and we can update the, uh, the audience about your work and I just want to thank you for your extraordinary you know leadership and artistry and uh, for for being uh, the uh, um, person that you are and doing the work that you're doing it's been a real pleasure to speak with you today well thank you for the opportunity on behalf of our producers and sponsors Arch Street Press Ashoka Innovators for the Public the Kellogg Fellows Leadership Alliance and the Philadelphia Social Innovations Journal Thank you for joining us today. To learn more about our work, visit us at archstreetpress.org.